This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me as always. Jeff Abercrombie across, across the way. Jeff, college football championship in the books. NFL regular season in the books. The NFL draft process is really set to kick off. Happy New Year. Happy holidays. Glad to be back with you here this evening, Jeff. Yeah, it's, I feel like I'm a little rusty. It's been a little while, but um, you know, we I'm coming back recharged. I'm ready to, you know, close the books on the fantasy season, you know, close the books on on the NFL season. But uh, you know, obviously with some 49ers rooting interest uh for the playoffs, but but really, you know, when it comes down to you know, football and, and, you know, what's really going to drive my passion, you know, now is it's that off season stuff, right. It's the, um, you know, I'm coming in fresh and ready to actually go down in depth to, you know, all of the prospects that we've been talking all season about and, and really go through it with a fine tooth comb. Yeah, it's absolutely a fun, fun time of the year. Uh, you know, if people were looking for us over the last couple of weeks, we had decided to take off a week there between Christmas and New Year's. We were planning on coming back last week. Obviously, we were watching Monday Night Football and, you know, that just the magnitude of that. You know, we didn't think it was right to record a show with all that going on. Uh, obviously, our thoughts and prayers still with Demar Hamlin and his family. The news has been very encouraging over the last couple of days and, and just thinking of him and hoping for a full recovery. So we didn't end up recording last week. So we figured, you know what, let's let's let the college football season play itself out. Uh, we'll figure out what the top of the draft order is going to look like, who the national champion is, and kind of just recap it all. And that's kind of what we're going to do today. So, so, Jeff, why don't we jump right into it? You know, we haven't really talked much about performances from bowl season i know there was a couple performances the alabama game really stood out a couple uh performances and obviously the while the national championship didn't really live up to expectations in terms of a competitive game obviously the semifinals games were absolutely riveting stuff so so why don't we start there i'll bring up i'll bring up the name because i think the guy who whose performance will will resonate the most in the pre-draft process and potentially have impacted his outlook more than anybody with CJ Stroud. And I, it might sound crazy to say because CJ Stroud has been a guy that we've been talking about for two years. He's been a guy that's been thought of and highly regarded. I did think prior to that performance against Georgia that the NFL was going to have legitimate questions about him i have i had some legitimate questions and i still do one performance is not going to make all those questions you know dissipate and go away but i think there was a scenario where cj stroud could have had a little bit of a fall out of the top five maybe even the top 10 maybe will levis would have could have been taken ahead of him even though it's not something i personally agree with and then that performance by cj stroud against georgia he showed so many things that I believe there were legitimate questions about, and now he's it's on tape. He Some of the things that I was really concerned about, why I was thinking, is he somewhere in the Mac Jones uh, kind of, you know, Dwayne Haskins when Dwayne Haskins was coming out, uh, Josh Rosen, you know, is he in that world? I know a couple of weeks ago, I thought you brought up a really apt comparison of like, 
he might have to be like two at the next level, that point guard, that distributor, because there were legitimate questions about his ability to throw on the move, playoff structure, utilize his athleticism that he has that he doesn't really ever wasn't really ever asked to use and his ability to handle pressure. I thought those were all very concerns about CJ Stroud. I thought he was great when he was, you know, playing in structure and in a rhythm and clean pockets, but we know that that's not realistic at the NFL level. And that game against Georgia, he answered so many questions that I feel like I've been waiting two years to see him in those situations, handle pressure better, throw on the move, and, and utilize his athleticism more than he ever wanted to. And then that game, I feel like, really changed the dynamic with him. And now I kind of feel like, you know, I could see some teams even putting him ahead of Bryce Young on their board. I think they both go in the first handful of picks. I mean, Will Anderson, Jalen Carter are two special defensive prospects. So maybe you're talking about in some order, those are the four guys that go off the board. But I, I do think C.J. Stroud's performance really potentially changed the narrative and maybe started his pre-draft process now out, you know, with a big conclusion to his season in terms of answering those legitimate questions that I think people had about him. Now he goes out with that performance in that game, I think changes the narrative a little bit heading into the pre-draft circuit. Yeah, I don't even think we have to guess, right? I mean, you've got – if you follow the plugged in NFL draft Knicks, um, you know, those ones, you know, disseminating what they're hearing from NFL teams, like they've said as just as much, you know, that, that performance, you know, on that stage was enough to change exact NFL executives minds on him. Like they, it was point blank, um, you know, straight from, from the sources. I, I don't, I'm with you. I think, I don't think anybody's, I think everybody, you know, bowl season was, it, you know, it was a very entertaining bowl season, but I don't think it really shook the landscape up very significantly, except for CJ Stroud. I think that that's, you know, the one that, you know, really comes to mind because we're, we're not talking about, you know, a, a day, a third round, a second round. I mean, we're talking about, you know, a mid round one to a probably top five pick. Um, and I, I do think, that's well-deserved just because a player isn't going to be, you know, Patrick Mahomes. And first of all, Patrick Mahomes wasn't, you know, thought of Patrick Mahomes. He didn't go in the top five picks, right? You know, you still, you know, if you took a pick and, you know, knowing what we know about Tua, like, I don't think the Dolphins regret that still, right? Like you have to have competent quarterback play and it's really hard to find. And, and if we find somebody who's, showing us signs that you know to me what this what this showed is is this wasn't um i still think of cj stroud the same way i saw i saw him from previous games where you know he is going to be best with good structure around him i, I you know i i think that comparison really you know i'm i'm maybe a little bit anchored on now but what it really showed me was he can translate that to an nfl difficulty right and and he can he can make the most of of good structure around him maybe when the not the entire recipe isn't perfect for him and i think that you know that's exactly what you want to see to kind of eliminate some of the risk of of spending a top 10 pick yeah and i think the question that i had most on him was Bryce Young while he has his concerns mostly his 
his arm talent and obviously the size and frame, he's such an elite level problem solver, right? Like that he, if he's going to be a great quarterback at the next level, he's going to do it in a Drew Brees like way, right? In terms of, you know, how he plays in the pocket and solves problems and, you know, and I think he's got more athleticism than Drew Brees. I think his pocket movement inside the pocket is, is a little Russ Wilson now. So I've been saying I think he's a little part Russ Wilson, but not nearly the arm talent, uh, but throwing from different arm platforms and moving around inside the pocket. And then like that Drew Brees type, you know, problem solving is how he's going to win at the next level. And I felt like CJ Stroud wasn't really much of a problem solver. And part of it was great scheme at Ohio State. First read, great wide receivers, his two years that where he was really the guy. So most of his reads were there, you know, and then once in a while we would see an op- see a moment where he seemed to struggle against pressure or that. But this game against Georgia and that team, and we, we saw what they just did to TCU last night, you know, Ohio State, you can make the case that if Marvin, I, I kind of believe if Marvin Harrison, and I didn't think it was going to be close, but I think if Marvin Harrison doesn't get hurt, Ohio State wins that game. Like, I honestly don't believe Georgia finds a way to win that game if Marvin Harrison doesn't get hurt because he was uncoverable. And I think Ohio State would have made enough plays. I mean, it went down to the wire, and he missed most of the game after the, early in the game and had to leave. Uh, so he just showed more problem-solving capabilities. And, and for NFL people, they see it once. They think it's in there, and he, then they can get it out of them. And I think that's what you were kind of saying, right? This game sold people in the NFL, and I think that's going to be the case. Uh, because they're going to say, listen, we saw it. We saw it in that national championship game. We saw it on the biggest, uh, the semifinal game. We saw it on the biggest stage. We saw him do it against Georgia, who's got loaded talent in terms of NFL caliber talent. You know, we think that if he gets put in a situation here where he's got to handle pressure, play a little bit more of structure, it's in his arsenal, even though we didn't see much of it at Ohio State. Maybe it was more of a product he just didn't need to until that moment where, you know, against Georgia, it, it was called for. So, I think it was a really remarkable performance, him. I watched Bryce Young. I was stunned that Bryce Young even played. I give a lot of credit to the Alabama guys for all playing in, in that game. Uh, you know, all the top guys, you know, Will Anderson, Bryce Young, you know, Jameer Gibbs, all of that. They all played, you know, and, and Bryce Young put on a show and, and showing why, you know, he's at the top or second in most quarterback ranks, why he's going to be one of the first handful of picks uh, in the NFL draft. And, you know, listen, he's not for everybody. You know, people who want to check off boxes, he's not checking off the arm talent box. He's not checking off, you know, major, you know, athleticism. It's okay. It's, it's, it's average to above average, but he's not checking off like top level athleticism. He's not checking off size. He's not checking off frame. None of that stuff. But, problem solver, uh, ball placement, accuracy, reading coverages, reading defenses, finding ways to make things happen. I think that's what's going to get him pushed towards the top of the draft for sure. So that that was a really impressive performance. Uh, I know we're mostly talking draft guys, but it was nice to see Jermaine Burden really played well in that game. Hopefully that kind of springboards him to next year and, and we get back to to the guy that we thought could have been a first round pick this year. So I thought that stood out about that game as well. Do you have any thoughts on either uh, Bryce Young or uh, Burden or anything else uh, from any of the games last weekend? Well, it was really good to see, you know, I think uh, Jalen Hyatt had a pretty good game too. Um, You know, it was really good to see Burton, you know, maybe just feel a little bit more comfortable there. Uh, There's going to have to be some new rapport with a new quarterback as Bryce Young leaves, but 
again, I, I'm not going to just forget about Burton after a down year. Right. So, so that was really good to see. Um, yeah. Some other, you know, some other really name names popped off. I think Jalen Hyatt comes to mind. I, I do really think he's going to be a big riser. Um, it's really hard to, to take a look at the, the season he put together as a whole and look back on a historical track record of receivers who've been picked, you know, round one, round two of the NFL draft. I don't, I don't think it's out of, especially if he has a blazing fast combine, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that we see his name in round one. Yeah. I actually think, I actually think there's a good chance that we do, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I think I was, unfamiliar until recently talking to my good friend brandon jones who used to help out here at saturday sunday as well right now the two of the top free agent wide receivers in the nfl are juju smith and darius Slayton. and that's no knock on darius Slayton. he's actually had a pretty solid year for the giants and really helped him a lot juju smith's had some you know ups and downs but he's been he's been better this year than he was but but that tells me, yeah, and we know there's going to be trades, right? We've already heard whispers about DeAndre Hopkins. Who knows if Devontae Adams is on the move again? Maybe T. Higgins. I've heard, you know, I don't know if you have anything, but there's Brandon Ayuk's name has been thrown around. Would the 49ers contemplate moving him for, you know, because they don't see themselves, you know, you know, maybe investing big money in another offensive skill player, but whatever. But the point is, it's not a very sh- upgrading wide receiver with NFL talent right now is it, there's not a lot of avenues in this off season. So even though we don't love this wide receiver draft class, even though it's not nearly as talented as the last couple of classes, I think we're still going to end up seeing four go in the first round or so, maybe even five. I don't think it'll be as early as they were last year. I think it more might be like 17 to 32 and they, and you see a late run on those guys. And if any fall, they go early on, on day two. And, you know, Quinton Johnson's performance against Michigan really stood out as well. You know, he had that one play kind of took it to the house, but just showing his, his speed, his explosion, his burst for a man, his size, obviously we know he can win at the catch point as well. He seems to be gaining momentum as the consensus wide receiver one uh, from, from what's out there. So, you know, that was an impressive performance. Obviously, we were hoping we were going to see a little bit more of a game from TCU last night against Georgia to, to see him. But, you know, that didn't really get a chance to happen. But the performance against Michigan uh, obviously was impressive. Yeah, so so I thought I thought those are the things that, that kind of stood out the most about, you know, the bowl games. I thought it was... There was a couple of moments here and there, but I didn't think a lot of it, you know, too altered. You know, a lot of guys sit these games out now, you know, start to turn their attention, uh, you know, to the pre-draft circuit and stuff like that. But those are kind of things that, you know, I thought resonated a little bit. I think it was the quarterbacks, you know, and a couple of you mentioned Jalen Hyatt. We talked about Quinton Johnston. I think those are the things that kind of stood out the most in, in terms of that. So why don't we kind of transition this over to, you know, some of the other draft news, you know, since we've been on a couple weeks ago. Uh, let's start with the transfer portal. The two names that, well, technically it's three. I, I don't even have one on my list. I'll start with that one. Uh, Sam Hartman uh, going from Wake Forest to Notre Dame. And this is a guy who I, I think in Notre Dame, he could really potentially garner some uh, some momentum at Notre Dame. If he has a really strong year, I always thought he was a guy that was probably on that day three, round four, round six range, but he could be a guy that if he really performs well at Notre Dame, you know, I, I could see him moving up uh, the ranks a little bit. Uh, 
DJ Ulangale uh, decided to take his uh, game to Oregon State. Fresh start. Uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see him there out of Clemson. Uh, can he get the momentum back? Listen, we we saw Bo Nix leave Auburn and, and go to Oregon and, and perform really well. I, I think that's the path DJ Ulangale is going to try to take. Maybe we see him put up a performance like we saw Michael Panix Jr. this year. I think I think those are in the cards. And if we see that by Ulangale, I think he has a chance to kind of catapult his draft stock maybe back into the day two mix. Uh, Jaheim Bell, like the tight end slash offensive weapon that I definitely thought was going to come out. Uh, with the success we saw this year of Chigo Conquo, I thought Jaheim Bell maybe was going to be the next guy like that. Uh, but he's going to Florida State, and, and as someone who follows Florida State closely as his college football team, I'm kind of excited about Florida State next year. I think, you know, ESPN came out with some early 2023 ranks uh, today. Florida State was number four. Uh, it might be finally Florida State returning to maybe top of the heap type prominence and be in the mix. And Jaheim Bell is a really nice player. Uh, to kind of add there is a diverse, versatile offensive weapon. So, Jeff, any thoughts on a couple of those guys in the transfer portal? Is there somebody that sticks out you're kind of excited to maybe see uh, where them in their new spot? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Jane Bell would be a really good one just because I am interested in in Florida State, Jordan Travis. I think, like, you know, we've we've mentioned his name. We've seen some flashes there. Like, that, that could coalesce. And adding an interesting weapon, you know, really could uh, be the, just the, the spice on top, the right last little ingredient to, to really make that cook. Um, I, I do think it's an interesting one because it's not like we've seen, you know, the program, I, I think of the program more as a, you know, a defensive, you know, draft feeder to the NFL. And at least lately, um, I know we've had, we have a couple great players that came, you know, that are, on the NFL field that came there, but um, you know, it's, it's been a while. And, and so it's, it's going to be really interesting to see if all those pieces gel. Um, so, so that one's, that one's pretty fascinating to me. I mean, I, 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 I do think, you know, I, I liked seeing that how Bo Nix, you know, has, you know, really found a place that he can play well and put good football uh on tape on saturdays and you know and, and excel right like that oregon program you know really took off with him you know could we see the same type of thing with dj you know i think we could it's possible it's one of those things where it doesn't get me too excited because i think we're at a point where we know a bit of what his flaws are and what's going to hold him back and I don't think we're going to get to the level of excitement that we've, we once had for DJ, right? Like we had, you know, we had thought that DJ Uyunglele would be a top five pick when he, he stepped in and, you know, played in the college football playoffs lights out. And, and it's just, once we got those reps, once we got a chance to see him more, I think we finally got a chance to really ground ourselves into, you know, who he's been as a player. Now there's always, there's always players that come out and make leaps, right? We've always said development isn't linear. And so it really could be a something where just everything triggers and um, he's got the tools to do it. So, but it's just one of those ones where, you know, I I think we're really, I'm probably going to have to see that on the NFL side 
before I get really excited again. Yeah, and that makes sense. And, you know, these, you know, guys who, you know, we, we see, you know, once upon a time thought of very highly and then they kind of have a fall. I feel like we do wait a little bit and are a little bit more reserved to kind of start to bring them back up again. Right. And I think Ulangale falls in that. Another guy who I'll talk about right now in terms of returning just before we came on air, Spencer Rattler decided to go back to school, right? He's another guy who not this year, but last year we thought he was going to be in the mix. Him and Sam Howell will be the first and second quarterbacks off the board in the top 10, right? Obviously we all know how that went, but he really came on strong at the end of this year. So I'm kind of excited that he's going back to school like if he can put together a whole year similar to how he kind of concluded down the stretch, I think he's a guy though that like, you know, once upon a time we thought he had the traits to go top five in the NFL draft and, and it just didn't work out last year. And I mean, it's, it's, it's nothing to be, you know, losing your job to Caleb Williams isn't, isn't something that, you know, anybody should have held against them too much. Obviously I understand he was struggling and inconsistent, which is why, but Caleb Williams would, would almost send anybody to the bench. Right. So it is interesting to kind of see if he can kind of get that back. We already know that, you know, the top of next year theoretically looks really intriguing. And if guys like Rattler, Ulangale, or Bo Nix is returning to school and Michael Panics returned to school, like it, it's a really, it's becoming even more of an interesting quarterback class next year because some of these guys really took major steps this year. And if they continue to show growth and they continue to show consistency, it's just going to make that quarterback class, even after the top names like the Caleb Williams, you know, and the Drake May, it's going to make it even maybe a deeper and, and potentially better overall quarterback class with a couple of these guys that are looking for some fresh starts. And if they find it, you know, we could be talking about them a lot next year as well. The other big returning was Blake Corum. It sounded like his injury was a lot more serious than than let on. I saw something today that said it might be six months before he could even do anything. So he pretty much missed the whole pre-draft process. I do think it is a risky proposition to go back to school. We've seen teams be willing to still invest day two picks in the guy who might not play most of the year. I, I think Corum would eventually have been able to play next year in the NFL. Uh, but he goes back to school. You know, he's coming off a great year, a monster year. I thought he was kind of locked in as RB4 in this class. And now, you know, we, we hope he gets back, stays healthy, and still goes as high as what we thought he could have went. I know you were a big fan. I think we both thought there was a real chance he could he could have been gone in the top 10, 15 picks of round two. Uh, what, what's your thoughts, Jeff, on, on Corum? Do you think it's the right decision? Were you surprised by it? Uh, any, any thoughts? What surprised me was hearing how – you know, maybe potentially serious the knee was because it, it just, you know, we had, he had come in the next week, I think too, and, and only lasted a couple snaps before he had to, had to leave. But, you know, he, I think he played on it after he, he suffered the injury. So, so hearing just how, how severe it is, and maybe that's just, they needed surgery to, to clean it up and surgery takes a while sometimes. And maybe it was something like that, but it seems to me with this decision that there were going to be enough questions when it came through, medicals time that even if, even with the resume he put down he, he wouldn't have been able to back it up with any testing so we, you couldn't really tell you know you, you couldn't confirm what you were seeing and and this isn't this isn't Blake Corum you know three-year stud like Bijan this is Blake Corum superstar standout you know this year who's really catapulted his stock 
And, and so there's probably enough uncertainty coupled with the fact that there is, we've talked about it, a ton of day two potential players that I don't know if a team really would want to take on the risk when there's a viable alternative all, uh, option without the risk. And so it's a very complicated situation. I don't know what the right answer was for him or wasn't for him, but you know, I, I trust that he's making it for himself. It, it is incredibly intriguing because, you know, bowl season we had Donovan Edwards really get a bunch of the hype now. And we talked about it on the lead in to this, you know, to the 22 season, you know, what that backfield potentially could be, you know, who was, how was it going to shape out with them sharing Donovan Edwards has a very interesting skill set, especially as a receiver, you know, and Coram really took and ran with it, but, but Edwards has shown that, you know, he still is quite capable behind him. And does he also take a step forward? Do we see a bigger split? Do we see a dip in stats with Coram? How much do we hold against him with that? Or is it, you know, is it, are we over our skis a little bit putting Donovan Edwards back up there? I, I think that's the really fascinating conversation to me that I haven't fully sorted out. And and it really will be this kind of off season of, of rookie Debbie that we get to, you know, to debate, especially as we get a, you know, maybe some of our more Debbie focused uh, contributors on, uh, you know, as guests. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be fun to kind of pick their brain a little bit in terms of, you know, how to make sense of this injury, how to make sense of his value, uh, you know, and where we go, because, you know, the odds of him replicating this year again are probably pretty low, right? Just how, you know, how great of a year he had there. So it'll be interesting. And then a couple other guys who declared who we didn't talk about last time, uh, Jaron Hall out of BYU. I really like his game. I think he could be a guy in that round three, round four border. I think he's got some dual versatility. He can make plays with his legs. He can buy time in the pocket, uh, out of the pocket, throw on the run. Uh, so I'm really interested by Hall there out of BYU. And then Sean Tucker out of Syracuse, obviously, uh, didn't have the year that I think maybe people were expected in terms of not kind of catapulting himself into that top mix. I still think he's in like the next tier though, after the top three or so. So I still think there's a legit chance he goes somewhere on day two, maybe more of a round three guy than a round two guy. And then obviously Keishon Booty changing his mind, declaring, uh, I think he still is on the border of round one. I still think he's a top 50 pick. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about some top fives in a few minutes, but I, I think Booty's right there in the mix in this wide receiver group because as we've been talking about a lot, I, I think it's going to be to each their own kind of depending on what you want. Do you want the the legit 4-2 speed of Jalen Hyatt? Do you want the vertical playmaking out of the slot you know, of Jordan Addison? Do you want the you know the precise route runner and Jackson Smith and the Jigba. Do you want Booty, who has probably the highest ceiling and most upside, but we still haven't seen him put together a dominant stretch? And then obviously before we talk about Quinton Johnson, right? You know, you know, and he probably is the most complete guy right now in terms of you know, at the catch point, athleticism, you know, what people are looking for maybe is that true outside type guy. Uh, but interesting for, for Booty to change his mind. I think it's the right decision. We talked about it. Like, I don't think, you know, I'm not sure LSU and that offensive scheme is conducive to him putting up these really gaudy collegiate stats. 
And if he's still going to be a potential first round pick or early second round pick, I, I think that I think him going back to school and not being really, really good would hurt his stock more than him coming out right now would hurt it. So I, I think coming out now, you know, still go going round one or early round two is yeah. If everything broke right, could he have pushed his way back into the top 15, top 20 mix next year? Maybe. But if he had a bad year, if he got hurt, if he was, if there was any issues that arise, I think you're talking about him falling, you know, out of the top two rounds. And I think that would have hurt. So I kind of get the move, you know, we thought since the first week of the season, he was on his way out and and we were stunned, you know, at how the rest of the year kind of played itself out there. So Jeff, any thoughts on the guys, uh, you know, who, who made their declaration since we last been on air in terms of the major skill players? Yeah, I, um, you know, it was a, I didn't have a big, opinion on whether Blake Corum's decision was smart or not, because I just didn't have enough of a read on, on the inputs into it. But I can tell from the West coast here that Kayshawn booty was not going to fit into that LSU program. Right. And he was going back, he wasn't transferring. He was going back to that LSU program and it just wasn't going to work. It wasn't going to be a fit. And it doesn't mean it was something that he is a, cancer to the locker room or he's a unmanageable player or anything. I mean, we see, we see players with emotion like George Pickens, you know, doing amazing things on an NFL field. So I think, I think getting to the NFL is, is really where Booty's going to shine. And, you know, I do think, I, I don't know if I see round one, I do think he's, he's right in that range of, of that George Pickens, right. That, you know, 40 to 60, uh, as far as picks go. And, and I just, I think it's pretty safe. I, I just don't think there's, there's enough questions on his profile to keep him out of round one. There's enough talent on his film to just have, you know, round two be his absolute full floor. Yeah. I, I, I think I'm right there with you. And, you know, I think if he tests out really well, you know, listen, I think the wide receivers is, is kind of up for grabs a little bit. Uh, and, and we kind of mentioned the five guys and we'll get back to that in a little bit, but with the NFL season concluded, I thought maybe it would be a fun time to kind of just run through what the current top of the draft order looks like. And just some things that maybe stood out in terms of, you know, how many teams could be in the quarterback mix, how high do we think a wide receiver can go Would any of these teams in the top, whatever be thinking B John. So amazingly Houston loses out on the number one pick by scoring a touchdown late in the game and, and then going for two and getting it. So Chicago is now picking at number one, which opens up a whole can of worms about potentially trading it because if they're all in on Justin Fields, Houston picking at number two, Arizona, you know, just cleaning house yesterday, firing their GM and their coach. So they're picking at number three, Kyler Murray, probably missing a big chunk of next year. The Colts, uh, are going to be picking number four, dire need of a quarterback. Uh, at number five is going to be Seattle from Denver due to the Russell Wilson trade. Number six is going to be Detroit from the Rams due to the Matthew Stafford trade. I mean, I don't think Seattle or Detroit ever thought that when they made that trade, they would be getting these picks from Denver and the Rams. It's just, you know, remarkable that, you know, they lose their franchise quarterbacks, both of those teams. And then both of those teams within two years are, are, you know, bottom feeders and Seattle and Detroit are getting a pick at number five and number six. Vegas is picking number seven. They obviously a lot of question marks now with, you know, what they did with Carr at the end of the year. He'll be going somewhere. You know, I know in New York, it seems like 
Everyone seems to think it's a foregone conclusion that either Jimmy Garoppolo or Carr will be the quarterback of the Jets. We'll see. At number eight, the Atlanta Falcons. Do they believe in Desmond Ritter? I think that's a legit question, you know, and, you know, or do, do they go to quarterback market or, or kind of build up the team around it? Probably defense. Carolina picking at number nine. Philadelphia from New Orleans picking at 10. That's the Chris Olave trade. Uh, well, not the Chris. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of wheels in motion. They eventually got the Chris Olave, but it took a bu- bunch of trades uh, between New Orleans to get there. And then that last one, you know, uh, to get that extra first round pick that they then had to use to eventually get up to Alave. They gave Philadelphia their first round pick, uh, to get a second first round pick last year. And then, so Philly's picking at number 10, Tennessee 11, uh, Houston picking 12 from Cleveland due to the Sean Watson trade. And then Jets 13, New England 14, Packers 15, Washington 16, Pittsburgh 17, and 18, Detroit before the playoff teams. Jeff, a few quick hitters. What stands out about what you hear and see in terms of that draft order? Things that you're like, wow, I can't wait to late April gets around here because I think it's going to be fascinating in terms of how they approach it, what they do. Anything stand out early thoughts on just seeing the draft order uh, now complete and finalize, you know, in terms of what we also know about this draft class also. Yeah, everybody's talking about Chicago. I think mostly because we're shocked that somehow, some way, they were able to leap, uh, leapfrog Houston for that top pick. I don't see any re- any logical reason they'll move away from Justin Fields. So I do think they can just sit there and pick, you know, Will Anderson, Jalen Carter. Like they'll really need a centerpiece on that defense. That defense was. The defense, you know, Justin Fields played great. The defense is what was holding them back. But, you know, do they try to trade down, you know, maybe into the, you know, the 7 to 14 range, you know, pick up a couple day two picks, you know, maybe. I don't know if there's, you know, I have to look at kind of the bottom of the draft order to see if anybody's giving up two first round picks. But you do, do they reload around Justin Fields? Do they build, a, you know, a centerpiece around the defense? I think that's going to be a fascinating path but it it's kind of the nothing stunning about that right i I think houston while they lost the number one pick you know their big winners was for cj stroud looking good right if if that's if they have two top quarterbacks on the board with with young and stroud then they'll be fine right regardless if anybody jumps them i uh, biggest one for me is las vegas carolina Atlanta. I mean, I, I think we could say all of those teams need a quarterback. I think that with Atlanta and Desmond Ritter, I think it has less to do with Ritter and more to do with the type of offense they run. You know, they run that very Tennessee style offense, you know, with Arthur Smith coming over and they might not want to invest big resources in a quarterback if they don't have the belief that that quarterback's really going to make a difference in that franchise. They, they kind of want to be a system that succeeds as a system. And it kind of worked. I don't think anybody saw Atlanta winning seven games this year. Right. Uh, and the only reason they're at eight is because of tiebreakers. I mean, the jets are at 13 with seven wins, you know, it, they really could have been out of picking out of the side of the top 10. And I don't think anybody saw that. They, they called Atlanta one of the worst teams to begin with, begin the season with. So that that's fascinating. I don't know what they'll do there. I do think Vegas and and Carolina are almost locked into having to take somebody. I, I don't, I don't really like, there's going to be interesting 
veteran options this offseason. I, I do think we could very legitimately see Aaron Rodgers move at this point. And if not Aaron Rodgers, I'm pretty sure Jordan Love's going to find a home. I, I don't see how Green Bay goes back with both of those quarterbacks. Uh, with the way where Love's contract is is at this point, I think uh, one or two years left. So, you know, there's there's going to be a few interesting veteran paths this offseason, but let's just say Young and Stroud, you're going to have to get in the top five, right? Chicago, uh, you got Houston, Indianapolis. If you're if you're not jumping ahead of them, you might not get one of those two guys. So. Is it Anthony Richardson? Is it Will Levis? It does. Does Will Levis go to Indianapolis because they they like that profile and a guy like Bryce Young dropped to, to the third pit? You know, with C.J. Stroud's uh, performance, you know, in in the playoffs and Indianapolis maybe being in on a guy like Levis because of because of the profile that they want for their for their offense. You know, does does Bryce Young fall into the range of? you know, Las Vegas, does Anthony Richardson fall to Carolina? I, I think those are going to be really fascinating questions I, that we'll, we'll see on every March draft from here to April. Um, but that also means that right now we're pushing up quarterbacks, artificially inflating that, that those quarterbacks into draft positions that, you know, we talked about it with, with when we talked compared Stroud to Dua, like, are they, you know, they're being drafted not to be signal callers, but to be saviors of the franchise, right? To be the face. And and they're they're investing that draft capital in them to maybe be players they're not, or or potentially one day could be, but aren't right now. And and foregoing some really fascinating talent, like other talent across the board with, you know, defensive players with, you know, there's some really good tackles in this class. Like, you know, you could have some blue chip building blocks you know, along the trenches that you're passing along. And and we've seen that be a very fruitful uh, way of building teams, you know, along the trenches. We've seen a lot of teams go ahead and invest that way and, and find success. So how that all unfolds in the top 10 picks, I think we'll get a lot more clarity come April, but it is going to be fascinating the road that we get there. Yeah, and I will say this. I think Geno Smith and Jared Goff will be the quarterbacks next year for Seattle and Detroit. But I also don't think it's crazy to think that those two teams look at their rosters and, and say to themselves, listen, we are we were gifted these early this pick here at five and six. Both of our teams are on the upswing. We're teams that, you know, Seattle made the playoffs. Detroit was right there. If if Seattle would have lost, Detroit would have been in because they beat Green Bay. Like so I don't think it's crazy to think that they could be looking at their teams and saying, listen, we're pick, we're going to be hopefully be picking in, you know, the twenties next year because we're playoff caliber teams. And we, we kind of just, you know, we, we kind of sped up the rebuild a little bit, especially in Seattle that if they like these quarterbacks enough, I think they could be, they could be, they, they could pull the trigger. And if not, I do think you're going to hear, an ungodly amount of connections though to those teams because they're going to want to try to convince Las Vegas, maybe mm-hmm. Atlanta, Carolina, that they're going to take a quarterback and try to force them to move up to five or six. Yeah. The other fascinating aspect too is, I, I mean, 
Detroit and Seattle have other first round picks where it is a more reasonable spot in my mind to take a guy like Will Levis, Anthony Richardson. You know, if you're taking if you're taking them in the teens, right? Um, you you've got your blue chip talent at the top of the draft, and now you can really take a swing at at one of those players, especially with you know a good presence like a Jared Goff. I think with Seattle, they're going to have a hard time playing that game, right? Because Gino, I believe, is a free agent, or or he's 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 not going to come back to Seattle without a, a contract extension or something, right? Like they they're going to have to make a decision on him before we get to the draft. So I think we'll have no matter how much they want to hide their intentions or or you know say we'll sign him, but we're also taking a quarterback. However, they want to try to you know play that game, leverage game. I think their cards are going to be tipped a little bit. I think with Detroit, it's more interesting because. I also think, I you know, the 49ers method, right? They, they draft Trey Lance, but they're going in with Jimmy Garoppolo. I think that could really be a plan for, for Detroit. Like, they're they're fine with Jared Goff going in next year. But that doesn't mean that they're not fine also putting somebody like, you know, Bryce Young or or Anthony Richardson on that team, you know, to kind of sit there and, and you know, marinate, get the experience he needs. I think it's a really viable path for NFL teams to do that. And I think these, you know, having stable bridge quarterbacks is a really underrated value for teams like Detroit. Yeah. And we talked about Chicago having a lot of power, right. To maybe make a trade down, but what if they, what if they don't want it? What if they just want to sit there and take Will Anderson? They think he's the best player in the draft face their new face, their defense. Then all of a sudden Arizona is really in a, a spot and they're going to have a new GM and, you know, say Houston takes their quarterback of choice, whether it's Bryce Young or whether it's C.J. Stroud. Well, we know Indianapolis is in the quarterback market. We just talked about Seattle, Detroit, and we know all the teams after Vegas, Atlanta, Carolina could be. All of a sudden, you want to make sure you get your guy ahead of Indianapolis. you got to try to jump up to number three where Arizona is. So that whoever the Arizona, I think there's a lot of question marks. I don't think it's a very... Uh, it's a job that people are going to look at and think they're really set up. I think there's a lot of question marks about Kyler Murray next year. He's probably not going to play much, but I do think from the draft perspective, Arizona at number three really is going to hold the cards to a lot of things in this draft, especially if Chicago ends up staying put and just taking like Will Anderson or something. And then Houston takes the quarterback. Then all of a sudden all eyes shift to Arizona. What will Indianapolis be willing to give them just to move up one pick to make sure nobody else leapfrogs them and they lose out their guy, you know, or are they okay with two guys? Is Indianapolis think it's a three quarterback class, right? So it's going to be fascinating at the top there with the quarterbacks. I, I will say this to kind of conclude talking about this. I do think 11, 12, 14, and 15, Tennessee, Houston, New England, and Green Bay. I think that is where we will see an offensive skill player start to come off the board. I think Tennessee, even though they went Traylon Burks last year, I would not be stunned to see them double dip back-to-back years, wide receiver, wide receiver. I don't think it's out of realm of possibilities based on how poor their offense was. Uh, a guy like Quentin Johnston, whoever, their favorite wide receiver. So I, I do think Tennessee, but they need a lot of offensive line help. So that might be the way they go. It's more of their their DNA. Uh, but at the same time, they fired their offense coordinator. They, they're making changes there. I think they got to realize. I think they realize they got to modernize and maybe open things up a little bit more. So I could see them going to wide receiver there. I think Houston 
is it, Houston is in a really interesting situation here because if they go quarterback at two, there's a couple ways you can play it at twelve. If you want another, if you want an offensive playmaker, you could get him a wide receiver. You know that you know Michael Mayer. How high does he go? Would you want to get your your young quarterback? You know the best tight end in the class. I, I think it's a little high for my liking, but I don't think it's added a possibility. We I like Damian Pierce. I think he's a good player. We've seen fourth <laughs> round running backs be good players, and not, not in Texas, yeah. And that, and that not stop things. You wanna yeah. you wanna change the, the you wanna you know be John keep them home. Him and your quarterback, whether it's him and Bryce Young, him and T.J. Stroud, your entire face of your team is, is totally changed right there with those two picks. You're gonna sell jerseys. You're gonna sell tickets. You're gonna you're gonna sell season tickets. You know I don't I don't think it's crazy right to to consider that they could be you know could, could look at B. John right and then you have. The Patriots at 14, I, I think we all know that wide receiver has been an area of struggle for quite some time. They could be in the market for a wide receiver. I know they got Taquan Thornton last year, and he showed some things, but he's more of a speed outside guy. I mean, they could maybe they're looking at a Jordan Addison or a Jackson Smith, the Jigba, or maybe just a pure outside guy like Quentin Johnston. Green Bay, I know they went to the well last year, but if Aaron Rodgers is coming back, I don't think it's crazy that they finally say, okay, I know we got a few guys last year. Christian Watson, you know, showed us something. Romeo Dobbs is okay, but probably more of like a number three, four type. Maybe they go back to the well and give Aaron Rodgers one more weapon. So, so I think ele- I think eleven through fifteen will probably be the sweet spot where we start getting you know those guys for fantasy. Obviously, you know, minus the yeah. quarterbacks, we're going to go early. I think that's the range where we might start seeing some offensive skill player movement. Washington would surprise me. Pittsburgh would surprise me. Detroit would surprise me. So I think of the non-playoff teams, what we just had there, unless there's obviously trade-ups, I I think those four teams, Tennessee, New England, uh, Green Bay, and Houston, would probably be the teams to really hone in on if we're trying to say where could some of these offensive skill players go. Do you have any thoughts on that before? Yeah, Jackson Smith and Jigba being a souped-up prime Randall Cobb for Aaron Rodgers would be pretty exciting. I mean, we would see, I think, a, a Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, you know, rookie sophomore kind of season there, potentially. Um, you know, you, you talked about Tennessee being on the skill player, needing offensive lines. I mean, they're a dark horse for a quarterback too, right? I know they just drafted Malik Willis. They, they're they not in love with him. He he was inactive. He was the third string. They, they started Josh Dobbs. They're clearly not in, you know, We've seen, you know, shake up in that organization because they they have a differing direction on where the franchise needs to go, right? And so, are they going to do some serious self scouting this offseason and say we're not we we missed the playoffs, we lost seven in a row, we're not we're not who we think we are, and and do we need to to rethink this? Is is Ryan Tannehill? an option for us or, or do we send him somewhere and, you know, and, and hit a reset button on this? I, I mean, I think that's fascinating and just take it to another level. We talk about these quarterbacks. Who's going to be doing the advanced scouting to the 2024 quarterback class. It's always risky to say, we're going to pass on a guy this year because we think next year we'll grab him, And then you end up like Seattle and you're picking pick 20 and you're not, you're not going to get him. but there's always ways to trade up, right? If you really believe somebody special, you can trade up. 
So how, you know, just does that play into the, to the equation, right? You know, does Houston, well, Houston's probably taking one, right? But you, does that, does, does Atlanta, right? We're going to stick it out with Ritter. If, if it doesn't work this year, we'll be picking early enough and we'll, we'll get a guy next year. So, so does Atlanta, you know, really just play it patient? Uh, that anyway, 2024 class looks, looks really good too. Um, and, and might be where the actual solutions for some of these franchises come. Yeah. I, and, and, you know, teams are looking ahead, right. And maybe a team that we think is definitely going to take a quarterback or wants to take a quarterback might not take a quarterback this year, right? Like maybe they just say, now nah, we're going to, you know, we're going to, we're going to take the best player available. And maybe that's Will Anderson or Jalen Carter or somebody like that. You know, I, I'd be surprised if Houston didn't. I'd be surprised if some other teams, Indianapolis didn't. Yeah. But, you know, Indy's the one that really, I think, would surprise me the most. Because, I mean, how many times could they just go back to the veteran well and it'd be a colossal dumpster fire, How about right? this? How about, how about does Detroit, you know, trade back and pick up draft capital for 2024, right? Like, they may not be – they're a good team. They might not be picking in the top. But if they have a few first-round picks – you know, they if they trade out and trade back and pick up somebody else's first round pick, one, it could be early or two. That's enough ammunition to, you know, to jump up and go early. So yeah. that'd be something that'd be fascinating for Detroit. And Seattle loves to trade, right? That their GM, yeah. you know, and you know, they've made they've made more trades probably them in Baltimore and New England probably have made more trades in the draft than anybody in my life covering the draft. So, you know, both those teams right there could be saying, Oh, you know, like we believe in Goff and we believe in Gino, but let's also get some ammunition. So, you know, if next year because yeah, I think I think if even if Gino's back, I think it's going to be more of one of those like three year deals that they can get out of after two. Mm-hmm. The first year he's guaranteed to be the starter. The second one, we'll see if they want to get move on from him by year three. They can, uh, you know, that would be my guess at his age. You know, he he did have some struggles down the second half of the year. Uh, you know, maybe one of those like three year sixty million type deals or whatever, and, and see how it's structured. Obviously, is, is what really matters. But it's gonna be fun. I like that we finally have the draft order kind of in place now. I think it's fun to start talking about things. Uh, you see, there's more teams than maybe we think who needed quarterbacks early on. Uh, and I think it's a perfect segue to, to talk about you know some top fives to kind of round out the show tonight. You know, where things currently stand in terms of like just what we're hearing and what's out there at the quarterback position. We've kind of talked about, you know, the three Bryce Young, CJ Stroud and Will Levis. I think from everything we're hearing, it seems like those are the guys uh, who the NFL is highest on right now. And I think they all probably go top 10. Uh, And then I think Anthony Richardson is the wild card. I think he seems to be a guy that the NFL is intrigued with. So I, I would say he's probably the fourth guy that you're, you're seeing in, in list. And then I think the fifth one is kind of up for grabs. I think, I think some people, I think the safer choice is Tanner McKee out of Stanford, but I do think Hendon Hooker is interesting, right? If he didn't get injured, you know, would, would, would he be definitively that guy in, in that spot there? So I, I think the first four guys, I'd be stunned. I don't know the order those guys are going to go off the board, but I'd be stunned if those four, top four aren't the quarterbacks that come off the board in some order as the first four guys. But I think after that, it kind of opens up, right? I, I think it could be Tanner McGee somewhere on day two or Hendon Hooker somewhere on day two. And then, you know, a lot of guys chose to go back to school, right? You know, we don't have Michael Penix. We don't have Spencer Rattler. We don't have Bo Nix. Those would have been the guys that maybe would have been in that mix that maybe would have snuck into day two. So I think I think Hooker and McKee kind of, 
probably are locked into day two. And then that would be six. That's a lot in the top 100. You know, do we have any more, you know, does Jay Kaner make a name for himself? You know, Max Dugan. Like, I don't think those guys are are, are, are top 100 guys. I think they're more Dave Bree type guys. Yeah. Uh, but I think McKee and, and uh, Hooker are going to be interesting. And then, you know, does Jaron Hall kind of work his way into the mix there? You know, with Hayner or with Duggan, I, I think it's that next tier. But that's kind of how I see it. I, I don't think there's going to be a ton of movement in terms of who's the top five guys or maybe top six guys. I think there'll be some shuffling the deck, and each person might have ranking slightly different. But Jeff, any thoughts right now? If you were gonna, if you were gonna take a lean on who that number five guy is, because I think that's the the one. If we're talking top fives here, Hooker coming off the injury at the age, or the guy who played beyond a really poor team this year in, in Tanner McGee out of Stanford. Uh, where, where do you think right now the NFL might be leaning in terms Honestly, of who, oh. if I'm going to, if I'm going to take a shot here, I, I kind of want to go upside and, and I think Hendon hooker makes a lot of sense there. Um, I think Jaron Hall makes a little bit of sense there. If I was going to play it safe. Like, I, you know me, I'm on record. I just Jake Hayner in round four or five, like I, you're going to get a, a solid NFL backup, right? You're going to get a Brock Purdy, right? You're, you're going to get someone who was, going to sit sit through execute your offense not going to be anything special but you know that he'll keep the team on the on track right so if i'm going to play it safe you know give me somebody a little bit later um you know if, if i'm looking for an nfl backup if if i'm not looking for an nfl backup i'm looking for a starter i, I don't you know i want somebody who's you know who, who i can't really find elsewhere right and, and again you know give me let me take a shot on him and hooker. I think the trick there is that are you going to be patient enough to really know what you've got? Right. Are they going to be able, like, how are they going to, how are, what is your plan to develop somebody like that? So I, I don't know. Um, you know, for me, I would, I would shoot for the upside, but you know, but I think it has to be with the plan. We saw, you know, we said, yeah, Tennessee, good job for choosing Malik Willis, right. You know, third round, that's great. Go for that upside. Right. They didn't have a plan with him. Right. And, and you're just at that point, what are you doing? Yeah, you're, you're right. And, and listen, we, we were saying the same thing about Chicago, right? Like, until like they finally kind of caved and made an offense to sue Justin Fields' skill set. Right. So we'll see. And I agree with you. Hooker's, Hooker's my number five. Uh, I'd be more intrigued with him than the guy like Tanner McGee. Uh, but we'll see. At the running back position, I do really think Blake Corum going back to school, I really think I, – I thought number five was up for grabs, but I now think number four and number five are up for grabs. I think the <laughs> NFL is not going to see a clear-cut number four, number five. I think they will see a clear-cut one, two, three. I think that'll be Bijan at number one, Jameer Gibbs at number two, and A-Chain. I'd be very surprised if those aren't the first three guys. I'd expect all of them to be gone by pick. 45 pick 50 i think b john could go yeah. around we'll go round one i think gibbs will be on the border of round one early round two and i think a channel be gone somewhere with that speed in the top 10 15 picks of round two but then i really think it's up for grabs i mean i i know you know some some draft people are really high on zach charbonnet uh he's yeah. further down yeah. the ranks for me for me it's more tank bigsby deuce vaughn but I'm not sure yeah. Deuce Vaughn is going to have the no. love that I feel for him from the NFL teams. I think they might look at him as his limitations make him more of like an early day three guy or a late round three guy. You know, in that late round three, early round four, I'd be okay a little bit earlier, but I'm not sure they will be. 
Uh, I still think Tank Bigsby deserves to be the fourth running back taken with now Blake Corum going back to school. Uh, but I don't know if the NFL looks at him the same way. So for me, I think I think Bigsby's in the mix. I think Deuce Vaughn's in the mix. I think Zach Evans, even though unless I miss it, I haven't heard anything official on Zach Evans. Did I miss that, or has he not made a, a formal announcement yet? Because that's I, have, one that, I haven't. I haven't pulled anything across my feed yet, so yeah, I'm not I haven't, too sure. But yeah, I haven't seen anything about him. I mean, staying at Ole Miss would seem weird with how much they have kind of led into Quinchon Junkins. So I think he's either got to go pro or he's got to jump back in the portal and, and find a place, uh, you know, to to increase. But do do NFL teams just believe in the talent? Obviously, he was on most people's number two or number three before the season started. Uh, you got Kenny McIntosh, yeah. a, a, diff, a type of player at Georgia. Uh, but I think it's really, really up for grabs. I don't think Chris Rodriguez or Kendra Miller are going to get bit, get pushed up the board. I think it sounds like the NFL is higher on Charbonnet over those guys. So I don't know. I, I'm kind this, of at a, I'm kind this of this might a loss. be where the NFL surprises us, right? You know, I think we we've listed a lot of names, and it could be I, any one of those. Sean Tucker could be, too could be yeah. in the mix if you if well, he tests really well. I think you nailed Sean Tucker. I think he's kind of that round three guy. It, you know, I personally think Charbonnet is kind of there too. But I had a I had some, you know. Our, our friend Angelo, uh, Angelo FF, uh, uh, you know, came out of the woodwork, uh, you know, in, into draft season. We were talking running backs and, and he really likes Charbonnet. And man, I, I certainly uh, value Angelo's opinion there, too. So it will be a fascinating one there. But, you know, is it is it somebody that surprises us? Right. I, I you know, is it a Roshan Johnson? That, that somebody's taking from athleticism? I, that's where I think the NFL is going to surprise us. I don't know how to call this tier of running backs and where they come off the board. I, some of them I think feel safer. Like I said, Sean Tucker round three feels, feels right about there. You know, Deuce Vaughn, you know, pick 75 to, you know, 110, something early day four, late day three. I think he's probably like you have him ranked high. I think that's fair because I think the weapon and what he can bring as a team. But you know, if you're, that's, if that's not what you're focused on, that's not what you feel you need. And, and that's a pretty niche role for, for a lot of teams. Not, you know, teams don't necessarily deploy many of those types of players. Some do some, some really innovative, innovative offenses do, but you know, you're not going to see, you know, Deuce Vaughn in Tennessee, Atlanta, right. Um, you know, where does Zach Evans go? You know, his, his tape is there. His production is not, it's, you know, he's, he's just an enigma as far as, you know, not having the, the tangible proof of the type of problem solver he is, you know, to look at and say, you know, this is, this is the guy I want to put my chips behind. So if I were kind of going my three, you know, four five, I personally think it's, I haven't been able to move off of Zach Evans. I think he's going to slide in there for me. I am a Deuce Vaughn fan, so I love that you have him kind of up there. I think Bigsby is worth a consideration. I do have some concerns. I, I, I don't think he's well-rounded, um, but I do think he has enough athleticism, you know, to to be a splashy player. I don't know if he's he's technically sound enough to be a consistent player. And so, how does that roll? Like, you know, is what is his role in for a team? Um, I don't think they'll they'll pick him as an every down workhorse. I think they'll want somebody to supplement him for him to kind of learn learn behind. So, uh, you know, my four or five, I'll stick with Evans and Vaughn. Um, but but I do think it's 
almost impossible to sort, especially because some of these are, there's so many different, they're different types of players, right? There's so many different types of players here. It's really, where are they going to fit? Yeah. And I do think, I think, I do think the four and fifth running backs are really the one spot where I do feel like right now it's completely up for grabs. I, I think the top four quarterbacks are pretty much locked in in terms of who they are. The fifth one is up for grabs. At running back, I think the top three pretty much locked in. I think four or five really up for grabs. We already talked to wide receivers, so we don't have to really get into. I think the top five, I feel pretty confident that there might not be movement without an injury or something in some order. Quinton Johnson, Jackson Smith, Najigba, Jordan Addison, Keishon Booty, Jalen Hyatt. I think those are going to be the first five guys. So I think the question right now, until we start hearing otherwise, is who is the guy that maybe can join that party of five? Who can be number six or maybe push one of these guys down to be number six? I have three contenders. You tell me which one from this list. I have four contenders. You tell me which one from this list potentially either could join the party and be drafted similar to the top five guys or like the fifth guy, whoever it ends up being. Or could any of these guys push one of these guys down? If so, who would it be? The guys on my list, Josh Downs out of UNC, Rishi Wrights out of SMU, Zay Flowers out of Boston College, Cedric Tillman out of Tennessee. I think that would make up the next tier of guys. Is there one on that list that you could say, I could see a scenario where this guy pushes somebody out of the top five and joins it or is taken right near them and basically it's a, a top group of six in the top 50 picks, let's say? I don't think we're there. I, I'm with you. I think it's a very solid top five. Jalen Hyatt is a, is a very interesting, you know, where where's the gap between, you know, Jalen Hyatt and number four, you know, if that's Booty maybe, you know, or, or you know, is there, is Hyatt above Booty? I think, I think Addison... Quentin Johnston and Jackson Smith and Jigba are really solidified in in my mind as, you know, solid round one players. And, you know, I mentioned, you know, Kayshawn Booty being kind of a round two thought for me. You know, I think Hyatt could go round one because of the speed. But, you know, from players perspective, you're, you're paying a premium for speed. So, you know, between Booty and Hyatt, like I'm not, you know, I'm not convinced Hyatt's a better player per se. Um, you know, I just don't think I see josh downs who's electric really you know just being i think he's an electric player i just don't think with his his size frame and and sort of role for an offense i don't see it really pushing one of those other players down you know we we had a great conversation with eric with reishi rice safe flowers and marvin mims and you know i think all three of those we we it was really hard to pick between um so maybe you know I I was on the Rishi Rice side, but all of those are are phenomenal players. And again, I think probably round two. So maybe my wild card would be Cedric Tillman there. I mean, he's he's a phenomenal receiver in his own right. Um, you know, Jalen Hyatt's stealing the show, but that's because he's got splashy plays. You know, Cedric Tillman is a very fundamental receiver, and so I I think if if we're gonna put a wild card, I think I would put it on Tillman. Yeah, I think Tillman, listen, if he tests better, I think Tillman stock is going to be, I think he's locked into day two, but if he tests really well and surprises us and he tests, I don't know, four, four, eight or something like that. I think, I think most people think he's going to be in the four, five, four, five, five range. But if he tests a lot faster than that with his ball skills, with his vertical capabilities, he tests under four or five at his size frame and his ball skills. I think you're going to see him really, really start to rise. So I, I think that's a really interesting one. I think Josh Downs is interesting because, listen, 
maybe he can crack the, the, the party of five we talked about, but it depends on when the party of five really starts to go off the board, right? Because if Wandell can go and pick 45 last year, Josh Downs can go in the top 50 then, right? Now, I, I get it. That was a guy that Giants targeted as a guy that they wanted to build the offense. I mean, we see, I was having this having a conversation on Twitter before. It's crazy to say, but the Giants pass offense right now, not that he's the best player, but the Giants pass offense revolves around Richie James right now because that's just the way they've created their scheme and their structure. And that was going to be all Wandell. And we saw him breaking out until that injury. So the Giants specifically targeted Wandell. I think they they looked at him as the guy that could do what they wanted to and schematically how they wanted to run things with the slot being an integral factor. Another team has to look at Josh Downs the same way as Brian Dable and Joe Shane looked at Wandell. But if they do, I think he is the one other X factor. Him and Cedric Tillman, I think, would be the two guys that if I say if some, if those two guys, if anyone's going to surprise and move up, I think it would be one of those two guys for sure. Uh, but it'll be interesting. Yeah, I, with, with Downs, I mean, I think he's not quite as, you know, I don't think he'd fit a Wandale role because I think just Wandale's such a unique mover. And, and, you know, I think Downs would be that guy you just pepper targets underneath. I was going to say Keenan Allen, but it's almost more like Austin Eckler. You know, it's just, you know, how, how many targets are you going to, is he going to be your possession receiver within, you know, but within space, within five yards, you know, 10 yards, right? I think there are a few offenses that, that do really utilize that role. Well, I don't, again, I just don't know if that's going to be invested in you know, yes, Wandale was pick pick 44. We know that that's an anomaly. Not to say it was a bad pick, but that was his that was above his high end projection. Yeah. And if you know, if we're looking at you know a hundred drafts, you know where's where's he normally going to get picked? We're we're probably looking at maybe towards the the middle to end of round two, right? And so again, I think that's kind of where Josh Downs is gonna is gonna fit. You know, be that maybe top of round three kind of wide receiver. Um, so I, I, he's fascinating. I, I, it's not that I don't think he's a good player. I just think if we're talking about someone who's going to really crack, you know, the top end of it, you know, I think we have to look at some of the other things that the NFL really values. Yeah. It, it's going to be interesting, right? Because I feel like last year this time we, we didn't have dots in high, right? As high. We liked them a lot, but it didn't sound like the NFL. Liked oh, give us, them. give us credit. I think we did. I think I, I no, remember, we liked I remember them. sitting here and saying he was, you know, he was in, I remember sitting here saying he was in tier one for us. Right. Yes. Like, for for and, us. I just wasn't sure the NFL was going to view him that way. And but, then when he went as high as he did, I, I think that's, that's both. That's, again, Dotson that, was a different player though. I, I mean, you know, he, had a better uh just magnet to the ball you know catch radius hands you know i think when i say josh downs being a possession receiver you know i think again you know more in the tyler lockett keenan allen kind of get him in space and kind of just quickly dart out of bounds kind of pepper him with 10 targets but you're getting 10 targets with six catches and 65 yards kind of thing yeah yeah. whereas like with with thoughts and i mean we've seen him be a red zone threat we've seen him be able to catch the ball well covered we've seen him be able to it's just again just a different different player there and and i think that's what makes it hard we talked about it running backs which right here with wide receivers too these are different players they're playing different positions 
And so it, it might not even come to, you know, who's, you know, who's the sort of the better tester or better prospect, but who's picking at that, you know, who's picking, who's looking to pick a wide receiver, you know, at the, the sixth one and what do they need on their team? It might just come down to, to that. Yeah, it, it, it might very well. And then, you know, obviously testing sometimes for wide receivers can move the needle a little bit. Surprise testing, whether it's, you know, faster than we thought, slower than we thought, uh, you know, other stuff as well. You know, let's round this out with the tight ends because I, I do feel real confident that they're not, while there might be some shuffling in it, I feel really confident how we know the top two are going to go. And I feel really confident in the names of three, four, and five. I, I think the tight end... There's been a lot of clarity, I think. I think number six could be up for grabs. If there's a surprise who jumps in, I think it would be who, I, who I'm going to bring up is number six. But I, I think Michael Mayer and, and Darnell Washington are locked in at one and two. It sounds like both have a legitimate shot to go in round one, uh, if not round one for Washington, early, early round two for him. Teams to seem from people in the know, from Dane Brugler to other people, it sounds like the NFL is obsessed with Darnell Washington. They think that if it wasn't for Brock Bowers being such an elite, elite level prospect, Darnell Washington could be a much bigger factor in the passing game. He's an elite blocker, and that's so rare for for a player coming out as a tight end to be that in terms of NF, in terms of the NFL. So I think Michael Mayer, Darnell Washington locked in at one and two. And then I think the other three, four, five names that you hear over and over in some particular order are is Tark. Tucker Craft out of South Dakota State. Talked a lot about him this year, especially before the season started. Reminds me a lot of of, uh, Dallas Goddard. Dalton Kincaid out of Utah. And then while he only played two games due to injury, this was a guy, Luke Musgrave out of Oregon State, was high on Dane Brugler's list before the year started, was on Bruce Feldman's freak list. There wasn't a lot of tape that we had access to, but it sure sounded like the NFL loved this kid before the season even started. Dane was pumping him up. Bruce Feldman was pumping him up. He was on a lot of uh, boards that you saw in terms of tight end prospects to watch. It sounds like even though he only played two games this year due to injury, it sounds like the NFL is still really, really into Luke Musgrave, the athleticism, the untapped upside. I think Sam Laporta would be the next guy that maybe could push Kincaid or Musgrave down. Uh, but, But I think Laporta and some athletic concerns maybe have pushed him down a little bit. I think he's more of kind of like where we saw Kate Odden and, and uh, Bellinger go last year. I think that's probably where Laporta ends up being in the mix, like an early day three guy. Well, I think the first five guys, I think Mayer and Washington, you know, we're talking round one or early, early round two. And then I think maybe the other guys that we could see day two or that Tucker Craft, Kincaid, and it sounds like Luke Musgrave is a guy that really uh, intrigues NFL circles. So, Jeff, any, any thoughts on the tight end position there? And amazingly, Arie Gilbert, not on this list. Didn't see that one coming before the year started, that he would literally just vanish. Uh, I have no idea. I don't know what he's doing. I, I I feel like we don't even get reports on him. Maybe I'm not digging enough. But like Arie Gilbert, who we thought legitimately had a chance to be tight end one in this class, if he kept his head on straight and played, just missing from this list. And I, I didn't see that one coming before the season started. Or maybe I should have seen it coming because of all the things that have surrounded him. But if he played this year, and we thought he was even a little bit, the NFL would have been intrigued with him for sure. 
I'll probably save the very last pick in all of my rookie drafts for Arik Gilbert. Just just for that one, that little chance that he, you know, pops. Um, yeah, I, I, Sam Laporta, I think, is, is sort of the safe option there, right? Um, you know, I think there's Musgrave, it, it sounds like, again, just, you know, NFL draft buzz, you know, really likes him. I think Laporta there is is a guy I've just kind of kept the, my eye on all year. Again, I think we, he's sort of a low ceiling, high floor kind of player. Um, and, and I think it'd be a very safe option. And and if for any reason, one of those guys falls, right, if, if we a Kincaid or a Musgrave falls, you know, I think Laporta will be there to just kind of, you know, slide into that spot. Yeah, so it's going to be fun. It'd be, it's going to be interesting to kind of circle back to this, maybe like, like we always do a couple shows like the week of the draft, final projections, just kind of like revisit like, oh, these were the guys we mentioned, you know, on January 10th. Are they still the guys like when I when I set my final board for the draft projections notebook? Are these the guys that we're talking about still at the top? I think quarterback. Yeah, I think running back the top top. Yeah, it'd be interesting to kind of see. Where where heads out of that? Is there any changes in the names of the five receivers and the five tight ends? And if there is, is it Laporta who we just talked about at tight end? Is it Tillman or Downs? You know, at the wide receiver position, how much movement and change is there? I mean, because like we, we go over this whole NFL season, I mean the whole college season, but then draft season almost is just as long, right? We got January, we got February, we got March, we got April, we got four months, we got the All Star games for the seniors. We got the combine, we got the, you know, the pro days. So a lot of stuff that could add more data to the mix to see if, if these things change at all. And, and obviously here at Saturday, Sunday, we will be covering it wire to wire as we always do. Uh, if you are enjoying what Jeff and I are putting out here, please get over to the website, ssfootball.com, fastest and quickest way to get there. Check out the premium content tab. And for $9.99, you get access to all our premium notebooks. I know I spent those two weeks off uh, when we didn't record a podcast. I updated my draft eligible rankings. I will, when final uh, declarations are out, I will split it up and create a new tab with only the guys who are in the draft. Uh, I updated Debbie rankings. I updated my uh, 2022 NFL rookie rankings now that the season has concluded going into the offseason. And I updated all of my positional overall dynasty rankings as well. Uh, that was technically prior to the last week of the NFL season. But a lot of updates. All that can be found in the rankings notebook. That'll have our tiers up in it soon. So a lot of stuff in there. The scouting notebook. I will be updating things. I will be adding players. I'll be I'll be separating it so it's easy to see who the guys who are in this year's draft is. And then obviously the draft projections notebook comes out in April. Tab for every position offense and defense uh, over 400 guys in that with some notes on all of them and how we expect it to go from everything we are here and you get it all for 9.99 best way to support the show and help us continue to do what we're doing uh download subscribe uh subscribe to the youtube page all that all that stuff that to help us out if you can't uh purchase the premium notebooks Jeff, any final parting shots here uh to put a bow on the college football season before we 100% turn it towards recapping the NFL rookie season and then just getting ready for the 2023 NFL draft. Yeah, just great news from DeMar Hamlin. You know, that, you know, was one of those ones where it, it would have made hard to follow the rest of the season of football if not, if we didn't know he was going to be okay. But uh, we're just getting started here. Um, this is going to be a fun four months. 
and and then we've got a lot more narrative to color in after that so you know it's this is the busy season yes absolutely uh and jeff and i and and guests will will be here to cover it wire to wire for you so on behalf of jeff on behalf of our sound tech engineer david nakano and myself thank you for joining us and we look forward next time taking you from saturday to sunday